hearts. But let's pray together. Father God, you have heard us as we gather to worship you. Father, you've heard the ministry of uh, Dr. Steiner and his group as they share in our community. Father, we ask your blessings upon them that you would provide the support that they need to be effective in ministering in your name. But God, now we pray that you would open our hearts and minds that we might hear a word from you through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. What I'd like to, to share with you today is um, I'm entitling it The Bride of Christ. The Bride of Christ. Uh, you missed it if you weren't in the uh, nine o'clock study. Becky led us this morning in looking at um, Ephesians chapter five. And as some of you will recognize Ephesians five as containing that section on um, husbands and wives and how we are to treat one another. Uh, if, if your marriage will be richer, if you will watch that video, uh, it was, it was recorded. That will be um, available Wednesday morning, right? It, uh, that'll be available Wednesday morning. And she gave us some uh, great insights into marriage and how our marriages can be richer, how our lives can be richer um, in, in relation to Ephesians chapter five. I'm going to focus a little differently than what she did this morning. Um, I'm, I'm going to focus on the, the body of believers as the bride of Christ as the bride of, did you realize, did you know that God is preparing you for a wedding? We believers are being prepared as the bride of Christ. In the book of Ephesians, Paul's has been describing what God has done in theological terms. And now Paul begins to illustrate the power of God in our daily lives, practical applications. And he's looking at family life. He's going to, he talks about parenting and he talks about children and he talks about marriage and, and how what God has done impacts all aspects of our lives. And if we, if we trust in the Lord and are seeking him, we will be effective parents. We will be godly children. We will be, have meaningful marriages if we do it God's way. And that's what Paul is trying to say. Uh, We talked about unity and the giftedness are acts of grace by the Spirit of God that dwells within us. And all of this is, it's important that we realize that God's Spirit dwells within us to empower us and enable us to love the way Jesus loved. You can't do it. But God can do it through you to be an effective husband, wife, child, parent, teacher, doctor. God can do it through you. And we are dependent upon him to use us to his glory and to his honor. Our language and attitudes reflect the life of Christ as the living word in the world today. We talked about that over and over again. You are the living word. You are the word become flesh in the world today. Thank you. 
I, 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 I preach longer and harder with an amen. Now, some of you are going to say, well, I ain't saying it then. So <laughs> uh, yeah, get that man out of the pulpit. But, um, but God dwells within us through his spirit. And Paul has been talking about that and how God works through his people in the world uh, today. Uh, Paul was seeking to build up the body of Christ that met in Ephesus through this letter, and God is using those same words to instruct the body of Christ that meets at Round Oak today. The same words that God used through Paul to the church at Ephesus, those same words are living, they're alive, and they apply to us today as well. And if you're listening to the Spirit of God, the Spirit of God will speak to you today through his word. It's what makes it alive. The body of Christ, the believers, have a very special relationship with God. The Old Testament speaks of the covenant relationship between God and his people, and the New Testament describes that relationship in more detail. The New Testament describes the church, God's people, as the bride of Christ. And that culminates with the wedding that takes place when Christ returns. But I need to give you a side note. Be very careful not to mistake the church as an institution as the people of God. Be very careful that when we say church, we think of, sometimes we think of the building. The building is not going to heaven. Sometimes we think of the people that are on the church roll. That's not the church. That's not the biblical example of church. The church that's going to be at the wedding feast of the Lamb are the people who've dedicated their lives to the Lord Jesus Christ, period. The latest statistics that I have heard is this. 80% of the people in the church are not Christian. 80% of those that are on our church roll do not belong to the Lord Jesus Christ, but they think they do. And when God comes to redeem his people, when we talk about the church, when we talk about the body of Christ, we're not talking about us sitting in here. God is talking about those who've committed their lives to him through the blood of Jesus Christ. Though that's the church, that's the body of Christ, and that's what this is referring to. That's the bride of Christ. So be very careful when we use the word church that we don't think, well, yeah, I'm on, I'm at the church, I'm sitting in the pews, I must go be going to the, to, uh, you know, I'm invited. You're not invited unless your heart's right with God. Thank you, ma'am. I did think that was pretty good, too, that way. <laughs> Revelation chapter 19, beginning with verse 6, tells us this. And he started, I'm going to start with 6b. The latter part of, chapter, of verse 6 says, hallelujah. You know, Revelation is talking about those end times. And he starts off with hallelujah. Can we say hallelujah? hallelujah. Amen. I like that. Let us rejoice 
and be glad and give him glory. For the wedding of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. Fine linen, bright and clean, was given her to wear. And fine linen stands for the righteous acts of God's holy people. How do you prepare yourself for that wedding? By acts of righteousness. And when you do acts of righteousness, it becomes part of the garment that prepares you for the wedding in heaven with Jesus Christ when he returns. Can I hear a hallelujah? hallelujah. It's coming, and it's coming soon, friends. I don't know when that's going to be, but I know it's closer today than it was yesterday. And the way the world is headed today, I say, come, Lord Jesus, come quickly. Because I look forward to that wedding. I look forward to the return of Christ when we can be gathered together around his throne. That is what Paul is referring to in Ephesians chapter 5. Paul is, describes how Christ is preparing his bride for the wedding day. In Ephesians chapter 5, beginning with verse 22. I want to share this with you. 22 through 32. It's a long scripture. But listen carefully as we hear how the bride of Christ is being prepared for that wedding by Christ. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the, Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the Savior. Now the church submits to Christ, as also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In this way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body, just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery. If you're married, you know exactly what I'm talking about. This is a profound mystery. But, says Paul, I'm talking about Christ and the church. Paul is saying all of these things. He says it's a mystery of what Christ is doing with his body, the church, with the true believers. This image of marriage elevated marriage in Paul's day, and it elevates marriage in our days. And certainly we need to hear these words again and the true meaning of these words. The real message of what Paul is describing has nothing to do with who's in charge of the home. It has no, nothing to do with who's the boss in your household. I know who the boss is in my household. 
what Paul is trying to say is, who can demonstrate their love more? Now, Paul may have been a member of the Sanhedrin, possibly. And to be a member of this judicial body required that you be married. If Paul was married, he never mentions his wife in any of his writings. If Paul was married, he was never home. He was always on a mission trip. Now, some marriages work better that way, but I'm not sure he could have said these words and have experienced this in the, in the, in the concept of marriage if he was never home with his wife. I, I, I just don't think he was married, but potentially he might have been. I think that's why he said, but I'm talking about Christ and the church, and it's a mystery. It's the mystery of how Christ relates to his people. I think what Paul is trying to do is to give an earthly example of the spiritual relationship between God and man. It's an example so that we could understand it better, so that we could grasp what he's trying to say, the meaning of what God has done for the church. I think that's what Paul is trying to say in these words. And he gives us a standard to shoot for in our relationships with each other. It gives us something to work on, gives us something to achieve to. You will never do it. You will never love as Christ loved. You can't outlove him. And we're to love one another as he loves us. So we work towards that. We try to achieve that. But it's a process, it's a goal, it's an objective. And Paul has given this as an example. But what effect, what, what happens when we are loved by God? What happens to the church when we have the love of Christ? What, what has the love of Christ done for us? Christ loved the church so much that he died for it. He gave his life on the cross of Calvary. He shed his blood for the body of Christ, for the church, for the believers, for the true believers in him. He died so that we might have salvation. He died so that we might have life. He died so that we might have redemption. He died because he loves us. The sacrifice of Christ on the cross cleansed the church, made it holy by his own blood. Through Christ, the church is holy and blameless. In Christ, I am perfect. If you see anything else in me besides Christ, you'll see imperfection. But when you see Christ in me, you will see perfection because the Christ in me is perfect. So we have, and when God looks at us, he doesn't see my sin. He doesn't see my imperfections. He sees Christ. He sees my perfection before him. Christ feeds and cares for the church just like he does his own body. Because the church is the body of Christ. You know, you know I like to eat. I, you know, I like... Now, 
that looks like I, I like to eat too much over there. The way, the way that look I am getting says I need to slow that down a little bit, and I probably should. But, you know, I want to take care of this body because it's mine, and the aches and pains are mine, and, and, I, and I, w- I want to build it up, but I want, I want it to be healthy and well. I need to talk to this doctor over here about that. How, how do we stay well? How do we take care of our bodies? Christ takes care of his body, the church. Now, is, is God going to take care of Round Oak Baptist Church? You better believe he is. Why? Because the body of Christ is special to him. He died for the church. And he's going to take care of it and feed it and help it grow. And he's going to provide a pastor for it. Because it's his body. It's his church, not ours. And he wants his body to to thrive and to be healthy and well in the world in which we live today. My gosh, we need healthy churches. And you know, well, I won't get there. We'll get there in a minute. To love the body of Christ, the church is to love Christ because they're one. When you love other Christians, you are loving Christ. When you demonstrate your love for other Christians, you are demonstrating your love to Christ. When you demonstrate your love to the lost and lonely, you are demonstrating the love of Christ. It's a biblical principle. And we are to do that as the body of Christ. To be his arms and legs with the mind of Christ. Right? We, we really do believe that, right? Are we doing it? Are we the arms and legs and feet and mouth and, and the heart of Christ in our world today? We are the body. We're, we're who they, they look at the church and say, well, look at those Christians. They can't even get along with each other. Why would I want to be a part of them? They can't love one another. Why, why can't I, why would I want to be there? If they can't love one another, how are they going to love me? Look at those Christians. They, they don't accept people like me because I'm different. Let me, let me share with you. If you will accept me, you'll accept anybody. And I have felt your love, and I appreciate that. If you can love me, you can love anybody on this planet and other planets, too, come think of. (laughs) The mystery of marriage is found in the relationship between Christ and the church. That's where the mystery is. It's what God is doing in our lives. It's what he has done and what he is doing in our midst. If you want to understand marriage, then look at how Christ loves and love one another that way. Christ is the head of the church because he has earned the right by his sacrifice on the cross of Calvary. We earn the right by the sacrifice of our lives. And when you sacrifice your life, then you become my head. That applies to any of us. When we love each other that way, 
then we're able to respect each other in a whole different way. We love Christ, not because of his power and authority. That involves fear. And where there's fear, there is no love. We love Christ because he first loved us. And our response to Christ is not so we don't go to hell. If that's the only reason that you're a follower of Jesus Christ because you're afraid of hair, that's fear. And there's love is not in fear. We don't follow Christ because we're afraid of anything. We follow Christ because we've experienced the love of God in our lives. And it transforms us. It changes us. It cleanses us. It makes us whole. That's the mystery. We serve in the body of Christ because we want to please the one who loves us. The reason this doctor does what he does, because he's experienced the love of Christ in his life. And he's reflecting that to others around him. The reason we put up with all the, the business meetings and the committees and all of the stuff that we do in being church is because we love the Lord. But we're going to cut down on some committee meetings, by the way. <laughs> because the love of Christ constrains us. The love of Christ causes us to live differently in the world in which we live. We're in new creations. We're in new expressions of who God is in the world today. That's the mystery of the gospel. This is just a side note I wrote on here. Just, just Becky covered it this morning, but hear this. For those who are looking for the perfect mate, give it up. They don't exist. And for those of you who are trying to change the one you've got into the perfect mate, give it up. It ain't going to happen. The only person who can change us is God. And we can't go into relationships thinking we're going to change them and make them into a better person. But do you know how to find the perfect mate? Seek Jesus. You seek Jesus. You make Jesus your goal and focus. And when you do that, God will bring the right person into your life. And as we're focusing on Christ, then we will find what God wants in our lives rather than focusing on other people. That's the mystery of the gospel. It starts with Jesus and it is, ends with Jesus. We do not follow Christ because we're afraid of hell. There is no fear in love. Any relationship based on fear is not healthy. If you're in any kind of relationship and there's fear involved of what they're going to do, what they're going to say, or how they're going to respond to you, that is not a healthy relationship. When we submit to one another, it should be out of love and not out of fear. Because fear comes from authority and power. And when there's fear, we're not responding out of love. Marriage has nothing to do with authority. It has to do with how much we love one another.
God sees the beauty in your life, and he sees the beauty in my life. It's there. Y'all just can't see it, that's all. But God sees it. And what God is trying to do is to make butterflies out of bugs. And he's transforming us by his love. And the love of God continues to bring out the best in us. And my sense is in our relationships, a healthy relationship brings out the best in the other person. And when you're in a relationship with somebody that brings out the best in you, that's a healthy relationship. It affirms the good in you, makes you a better person because of their presence in your life. Looking for the good and not trying to find something bad that we can use against them. Because that's what God does. God knows my evil stuff. But he loves me anyway. And he tries to help me be the person he desires for me to be. And if we can help each other do that, then we've experienced what it means to be the people of God in this place. Is helping each other to become more like Christ. Ephesians chapter 1, uh, verse 1. Oh, by the way, if you're looking for somebody in your life, if they're not willing to submit to God, they're not going to submit to you. To find someone who is willing to submit their lives to the God of the universe first. Because if they're not going to submit this way, they're not going to submit this way. So it's when we discover somebody, when we uncover that truth of a person who is totally committed to the Lord Jesus Christ, then that opens up that opportunity to submit to one another. But until you submit to Christ, you're not going to submit to me or to the person next to you. That relationship to Christ changes everything about our lives. Now, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1. Paul hasn't varied from his message in Ephesians. And as he was talking to the church at Ephesus, so he's talking to us. And, and this is what Paul said in Ephesians chapter 1. He said, follow God's example. Be like Christ. Follow, follow that example that's set before us. He says, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us, and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. And Paul's just going back and saying the same thing all over again, but this time he's using marriage as an example of that kind of love. Live as Christ. Follow his example. Be like Jesus. How many times does he have to say it? How often does he have to say it? How many times does he have to demonstrate it to us that he loves us before we get that message? You are loved by God. And there's going to come a day, hallelujah, where we're going to go to a wedding and the bride of Christ will be united with him 
And we are being prepared for that day. And it's our acts of righteousness that prepares us. Are you listening to what the Spirit is saying to the church, to the body of Christ, as we seek to be his people in the world today? The way we love one another should follow the example of Christ. Before you can submit to one another in love, we need to submit to Christ so that we can follow his example. Submitting to Christ empowers us to love as he loves us. Are you willing to do that? Are you willing to submit your life to the Lordship of Jesus Christ? Now, I don't know what issues you're dealing with in your personal life. I don't know what issues you're dealing with in your marriage. I don't know what issues you're dealing with with your children, but God knows. And God has an answer for it. And it begins with us changing ourselves, quote, unquote. Because we don't change the other person. It starts with me to be the person that God wants me to be and to love the way Christ loves. What decision do you need to make on that? You've heard what the scriptures say. The spirit is speaking to you right now. Your response can be the difference between being at the wedding feast with Christ and having the door closed in front of you. What is your response? Let's pray together. Father God, thank you. Thank you for loving us and being with us. Thank you for the way your love cleanses us and prepares us. Speak to us now, Lord, and empower us with that love that the world might know that there is a God, a God of love, who has enough power, Father, to love even through us. For Christ's sake, amen.